This episode of On the Record is brought to you by Walterside Powertrain Group, a global industry leader for highly engineered, mission-critical powertrain systems and complete in-service support for the world's leading off-highway and industrial equipment manufacturers. I'm Executive Editor Kim Schmidt. Welcome to On the Record. Here's an update on what's currently impacting the ag equipment industry. Deere & Company reported worldwide sales and revenue for the fourth quarter ended November 3rd improved 5% to $9.9 billion compared to the same period last year. For the full year, net sales were also up 5% to $39.3 billion. Net sales for equipment operations improved 4% for the quarter and 5% for the full year compared to 2018. Agriculture and turf sales increased for the quarter by 3% and full year of 2019 by 2%. Operating profit decreased for the quarter and year by 7% and 11% respectively. Looking ahead, Deere's forecasting net income for fiscal 2020 to be $2.7 to $3.1 billion. Despite present challenges, the longer-term outlook for our business remains healthy and points to a promising future for Deere, explains Deere CEO John May. May also says the company is particularly encouraged by the adoption of precision technologies and believes we are well positioned to be a leader in the delivery of smarter, more efficient, and sustainable solutions to our customers. At the same time, we are committed to the successful execution of our strategic plan and have initiated a series of measures to create a leaner organizational structure that can operate with more speed and agility. We're confident these steps will lead to improved efficiencies and help the company focus its resources and investments on areas that have the greatest impact on performance. Ahead of its earning call with investors on November 27th, Deere rolled out a voluntary employee buyout program. Ken Golden, Deere's Director of Global Public Relations, said the voluntary separation program is being offered to certain segments of Deere & Company's U.S. active salaried employees. However, employees working in precision technology and other new product programs are not eligible. Employees who received the offer can accept it until the end of the company's first quarter in fiscal year 2020, which began November 1st. The buyout program is an extension of an earlier offering that happened for certain departments during the fourth quarter of fiscal 2019. This week's dealers on the move are RDO Equipment and Pattison Agriculture. John Deere dealership group RDO Equipment has acquired Vanderfield, a dealership in Queensland, Australia. In addition, the company also completed the acquisition of construction dealer Vermeer Equipment Holdings following its purchase of a 50% stake in the business earlier this year, says RDO Australia CEO Julie Whitcomb. Canadian John Deere dealership Pattison Agriculture will permanently close its location in Foam Lake, Saskatchewan, effective December 31, 2019. Now here's Jack Zemlika with the latest from the Technology Corner. Thanks, Kim. Assessing the performance and production of a precision farming team can take into account several factors. Customer service and communication skills are less quantifiable than sales volume and service hours build. Adding to the evaluation are expectations based on experience. Dealers acknowledge that a new precision specialist often requires a three-year investment before they consistently become profitable employees. Turnover is expensive, says Nick Rust, Precision Ag Coordinator with H&R AgriPower in Hopkinsville, Kentucky. With nearly a decade of precision specialist experience, his approach to retention is a mix of mentoring and managing. Overseeing an 11-person precision team, including five with less than one year experience, 
Russ says ongoing training is essential to advancing specialists to the point of being profitable for the dealership. I want retention. I want to keep people because if I'm not constantly training, what we can focus on is what matters and ultimately it's making more money because we're in sales business and turnover costs us a lot of money. Granted, three or four year old, three or four veteran specialists is going to cost you twice as much as what the college kid does, but they're going to be producing. Rust adds that while the dealership takes into account intangibles, gross contribution is the primary metric on which precision specialists are ultimately measured. Look for more coverage of H&R AgriPower and Farm Equipment Magazine's Dealership Minds issue coming in February. Back to you, Kim. Thanks, Jack. Titan Machinery, CNH Industrial's largest farm and construction equipment dealer, reported overall revenue in its third quarter of fiscal 2020 was flat versus the same period of the prior year. Total revenue during the period was $361 million. Equipment sales were $246 million in the period ended October 31, 2019, down 3.1% from the third quarter of fiscal year 2019. Parts revenue increased 9.6% to $70.8 million, up from $64.6 million. Service revenue also grew 11.1% during the quarter to $27.6 million. Ag segment revenue increased 2.1% to $214.1 million. International sales, on the other hand, dipped to $68.8 million, down 7.3%. David Meyer, Titan Machinery's chairman and CEO, said their higher margin parts and service business experienced strong growth during the seasonally important third quarter and drove higher gross profits across all three of their segments. This strong parts and service activity helped generate solid performance in our agriculture segment, which grew top and bottom lines despite very difficult harvest conditions and persistent macroeconomic uncertainty. During the once every two-year Agritechnica show in Hanover, Germany, last month, Ag Equipment Intelligence arranged a meeting with the president of the European Equipment Dealer Association, Klimar, Eric Hogerwurst, to understand trends in European farm equipment distribution and how that market functions differently from North America. What we see is that uh, Klimar represents 16, 16 countries in the EU. In these 16 countries, uh, we represent uh, around 19,000 uh, dealers in total and they sell uh, around 130,000 tractors per year uh, from which 99,000 uh, are tractors above 50 horsepower. So uh, let's say the, the, the average is, uh, is below 10 tractors a year that, uh, that they are selling. Uh, oh, okay. That they are selling. Uh, so the, the, the numbers per dealer are, uh, are very low. Um, and that's also sometimes because of the way it's, the way it's organized. But I know that uh, one of the issues in, in, in Europe is that uh, a customer doesn't want to travel uh, far. And he's used to, when, when he has a problem, he drives with his tractor to the dealer. So the dealer has to be within a certain range to, to be able to do that. For example, John Deere has made uh, over the last uh, years uh, in quite a few countries big changes in their, uh, in their dealer organizations. But in the end, what has changed, for example, when you see in the Netherlands, there were uh, 57 John Deere dealers, 57 independent John Deere dealers. They've changed this into, at the moment, there are six. More to come from Ag Equipment Intelligence on this subject. Subscribers and VIP members will receive a special new report with newly obtained statistics within the December 15th edition of Ag Equipment Intelligence. After reporting a 7% increase in consolidated revenue from tractor, farm equipment, and engine sales in the first half of the year, Kubota's earnings for the first nine months of 2019 followed much of the same upward momentum. 
For the first nine months of 2019, ended September 30th, Kubota reported revenues increased by $888.2 million, or 7.1%, to $13.5 billion compared to the same period last year. Domestic revenue increased 13.7% versus the same period in 2018 to $4.4 billion. Kubota attributed the increase largely to a significant rise in revenue in the farm and industrial machinery segment. Overseas revenue increased by $353.8 million, or 4.1%, to $9 billion versus the same period last year. This was due to revenue in the farm and industrial machinery segment increasing as a result of strong sales of tractors and construction machinery. Revenue in the farm and industrial machinery segment, which is comprised of farm equipment, agricultural-related products, engines, and construction machinery, increased by 6.5% from the same period in 2018 to $11.2 billion and accounted for 83.1% of consolidated revenue. Overseas revenue in the segment increased by 5% from the same period in the prior year to $8.8 billion. In North America, sales of tractors and construction machinery increased significantly as the solid market continues. Sustainable agriculture, sometimes called regenerative agriculture, is the latest buzzword in the ag world. It promotes conservation practices such as reducing tillage and utilizing cover crops, and the movement promotes benefits to both farmers and the planet, including increased yields and improved soil health. But this new interest in conservation has some in the industry wondering who's going to pay for the adoption and transition to these practices that are potentially costly to many farmers. Wendy M. Sawadago, graduate research assistant and Alejandro Plastina, assistant professor from the Iowa State University, sought to answer this question in their November presentation during the Federal Reserve Bank of Chicago's Agriculture Conference. By breaking down their study conducted on Iowa's sustainable agriculture practices, they revealed what practices were most common across Iowa and how they were being funded. Their research showed that while the percentage of cropland in the Conservation Reserve program was down, no tillage and cover cropping usage had grown considerably between 2012 and 2017, with the percentage of no-till cropland specifically growing by as much as 4% in several states, according to USDA data. Sawadago said, while most funding comes from public sources like federal cost share and USDA programs, there's often private funding opportunities available for farmers trying to make their growing operations more eco-friendly. We've seen some industry get involved, so there are companies that have these private cost share programs where they do fund planting cover crops. Walmart has some, PepsiCo has some, and they work together with a lot of nonprofits with Practical Farmers of Iowa to get this funding in place. In addition to roughly one-third of Iowa landowners indicating they'd be willing to help fund cover cropping on their land, Sawadago also mentioned some cities have even taken their own initiatives to promote sustainable agriculture. Specifically, Cedar Rapids has funded conservation practices in several counties farther up the Cedar River as a way to reduce nitrate runoff from crop production. And now from the Implement and Tractor Archives. In 1957, brothers Cyril and Lewis Keller of Rothsay, Minnesota, invented the first skid steer in response to a turkey producer's need to clean out his barn, and ultimately disrupted the construction equipment market with their compact loader according to Iron Solutions. Cyril and Lewis owned and operated Keller Manufacturing in Rothsay, a fabricating and repair shop. Local farmers often called on the inventive brothers to repair equipment such as plows, diggers, and cultivators. They also manufactured snowblowers, plowshares, and hay wagons. One such customer, Eddie Vello, who was a pioneer in the turkey industry, turned to the brothers in 1956 for their help. 
Fellow was going from small flocks to a large production and needed a piece of equipment that could clean up large amounts of manure around posts set every eight feet apart in his two-story barns. The standard loader tractors at the time were too large, had limited maneuverability, and were too heavy to operate on the second floor of his barn. The first prototype was a small three-wheeled machine with a belt-driven transmission. It consisted mostly of manufactured parts, car wheels, a 6.6 horsepower Kohler engine, and a transmission from a Plymouth, and a few scrap parts from unusual sources. As always, we welcome your feedback. You can send comments and story suggestions to kschmidt at lestermedia.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.